my kids have turned my own planning lessons against me. <laughs> yeah, he's turkeys, devious turkeys, my children are. So my husband tells my kids that it's time for a bath, and my son Harper, who is seven, says, we decided to cancel our appointment with the bath. <laughs> oh, yeah? And then he says, we're rescheduling for tomorrow. <laughs> Turkeys, I'm telling you, I love my wild, sweet, sometimes devious kiddos. I want to be present for these wacky moments. <laughs> Have you ever gotten home from work and you are home, you are physically home, but your brain is still at work? Maybe you're sitting down and you're playing a game of Candyland and your to-do list from work just keeps popping up in your head. Y'all, it might be time to create a healthier relationship with your job. This topic is really, really special to me because it is something that I have struggled with. It's something that I continue to navigate. And I know that so many people in my life are struggling with the same issue. And so this topic is really, really special to me. Um, in today's episode, I'm going to chat with you about how to use goal setting and planning to cultivate a healthy relationship to your job so that you can come home, turn it off, and focus on your family. Do you want to feel less scattered and more focused, but the idea of planning or goal setting sounds like adding more pressure to your already pressure-filled life? If that sounds like you, welcome to the Plan Goal Plan podcast. I'm Danielle McGue. I'm a professor, mom, and business owner. I started this podcast to help hardworking women and high-achieving mamas plan and set goals playfully and lightly. Unlike pressure-filled approaches, Plan Goal Plan centers on what delights you to help you envision all the possibilities your future holds. If you're ready to try easier, if you're ready to make memories and do meaningful work, grab a pen. I'm going to guide you through practices that will help you plan for clarity, set goals for direction, and act with purpose and delight. Let's get started. If this podcast has been a light to you in any way, if it has lightened your load, if it has made you laugh, help me out, help a fellow mama out, and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Or simply share this with a friend that you think needs to try a little easier. Share this with a friend that you think this would bless their lives. Okay, here's my question for you. Are you your best self at work? Does your work bring out the best version of you? About eight years ago, I was really burnt out. And this is pre-kids, pre-kids. Um, I was cranky. I was snappy. I never felt rested. Um, I would go and I would get massages. I would go to yoga. I was doing all of the self-care stuff. And I still just felt flat. Well, sort of. I also felt a little ragey. <laughs> At this time, if you would have asked me this question, are you your best self at work, I would have said, well, sort of, it depends on what part of my job. So when I would teach, I would say I was definitely a best 
version of myself. I would be, and I still feel this way that I can show up for my students and I am impatient and I listen really well and I don't interrupt and I make funny jokes. Well, I think it's funny. I don't know if my students do, but I felt like there was a way in which I could be so generous with my students. But when it came to meetings with my colleagues, I did not show up as my best self. I would be so frustrated. I did not, I was not patient with my colleagues. I was not generous with them. And I mean, in some ways it makes sense, right? You know, my students are 20, 24 tops, you know, my colleagues are fully cooked adults. It does make sense that in some ways I would have different expectations for my colleagues that are 55 years old than I would for my students. I think one thing that has really surprised me about being an adult is there is so much in life that you are still learning. I think that when I was a teenager, I really thought that I would become an adult and I would just understand stuff. that I I would have things figured out. And I think one of the biggest surprises to me about aging and adulthood is that life keeps throwing new challenges your way. And you, you do, you keep growing. And that's amazing and it's wonderful. But what that means is that while I might have some different expectations for my 20-year-old students, versus my 55-year-old colleagues, that my colleagues are still full humans that are growing and experiencing life and have challenges that they've never had before that they're learning and figuring out. And so I still need to meet them where they are, just like I would my students, and, and I wasn't. So how do you answer the question, are you your best self at work? I don't know if I'm my best, best self in meetings now, but I am much more at peace with how I'm showing up for my colleagues in these spaces. In fact, after several years of really intentionally working on this, I started to get pegged for leadership positions at the university. I have mixed feelings about that. Still sorting through some of that stuff. I want to offer you a few things that have helped me transform my relationship to work. And I do want to note that this is an evolving process. It's not like, oh, do these things. And then like, you're going to have a better relationship to work. And then you can just coast. This is work. These are practices that you have to continually put into place and evaluate and work on. If this is something that you're struggling with, I really hope that this episode can open and expand you to the possibility that I do believe that things can be different. It is possible that you are in a situation that is so wildly unhealthy that the way that you need to do things different is to leave, is to find a new job, a new career, maybe even a new profession. But I do think that it is possible that where you are at, even if it is unhealthy now, that there are some things that you can do that can help you change your relationship to work. So one of my first realizations after admitting that I wasn't always my best self at work 
was that I needed to take an active role in creating the place I want to work. Take an active role in creating the place that you want to work. I actually had this realization teaching my students. I teach a class called cultural performance. And in the class, I teach my students that they are not just passive receivers of culture. They aren't just part of a culture, but they are actively producing cultures that they are part of every single day. So they are creators of culture. And I realized that I too am implicated in the creation of the culture where I work. And if I want my work culture to be different, I have to be different. I have to show up and create the place that I want to work. Ooh, this was a really tough one for me. If you are listening and you're like, Danielle, I am exhausted right now. Work is draining everything from me. And now you want me to be an active creator. Um, yeah, I don't have that sort of control. I don't have that sort of energy to give. And you're thinking about like throwing things at me right now. I get it. I was, I really resisted this. I resisted this because it required me to take some accountability for the situation I was in. And I didn't want to take accountability. I wanted to blame everyone else. I wanted to blame the systems. And y'all, there was a lot of blame to go around. I wasn't wrong. It's just that I also was implicated as part of the problem, both and. It was both the systems at work and I had some responsibility. So I want you to ask yourself, where do you have control? Because different jobs, different positions, different careers, depending on how your work works, the spaces that you have control might be different. So locate the spaces that you have control. This might be a crack, it might be a fissure, it might just be the teeniest tiny little gap and you need to wiggle your way in there and you need to push it out. I just like in my head imagined like a really tiny person in like a sidewalk crack, pushing it open. It had very strong, honey, I shrunk the kid vibes. <laughs> but where do you have control? For some of you, this might just be your mindset. And that's annoying. You're like, you just want me to go to work with an attitude of gratitude. Is that what you're telling me, Danielle? Well, yeah, maybe for now, if that's what you control. Where do you have control? Hold on to those spaces and try to let go of some of the places that you don't have control. If you hardly have any resources and you have been spending all of your energy fretting over the lack of resources and getting angry and frustrated over the lack of resources. Let it go. Take that energy and put it to, this is what I do have. What can I do with it? I don't want you to quit advocating for more resources. You should. But start to really recognize 
how much energy you are putting to some things that you don't have control over. And let that energy flow to a place that is more generative. Another thing that I want you to recognize is that work is one part of your life. We spend a lot of time at work, but it is one part of your life. Goal setting really made me contend with this. So when I really started to, when I really started to get into goal setting, and I realized that most approaches to goal setting used life domains as a way for people to set goals, it really made me sit down and grapple with work was just one of those boxes. I might have 10, 12 different areas of my life and work was just one part. And a lot of the goal setting systems also recommend that you don't work on too many goals at once. And I was so resistant to this. So I was like, okay, three goals a quarter. And I was like, so three goals at work a quarter and then, you know, three in my personal life. And a lot of the goal setting gurus were like, nope, just three goals. So if you have a goal at work, that's one of your goals. And this, this was really hard for me because I had to treat work like it was just a domain. And that was a bit of an adjustment for me. Sarah Jaffe has a book called Work Won't Love You Back. And um, it's a hard, but a really important read. And, and in it, she talks about this like labor of love myth, um, this idea that work historically and culturally has been, has been positioned as the thing that's supposed to give us self-actualization. So if you have ever been in a situation where you have work to achieve and achieve and achieve, and you keep achieving and you're like, hey, how come I don't feel actualized? How come this is falling flat? It is because our cultural relationships, our histories around work and what work is supposed to do for us have positioned work as the place that we're supposed to find self-actualization. And it's not that work can't be fulfilling. It can. But oftentimes, purpose, meaningful work, loving your job, really caring, gets exploited by our system. So you know, if you are a person that's really dedicated to your job, really good at it, and you feel like you get punished by getting more work <laughs> as opposed to, you know, the resources that you would actually need or the space that you would actually need to continue to do good work. That's part of this, right? I want to be clear about this. I think that sometimes people interpret this that like purpose is bad and encouraging people to find purpose at work is bad. I think that that is a misread of a lot of this literature. Finding purpose or meaning in your work is not in itself bad. In fact, I want you to find some of that, but be observant of the ways in which our institutions of work, our practice, cultural practices around work may use that purpose, may use that meaning, may use that care to exploit you. A lot of traditionally female professions we see this in. 
so recently, like with COVID, right? The idea that nurses need to step up and be our heroes and sacrifice their own health, potentially their own family's health, their own well-being in order to take care of the rest of us, we heard. And of course, like we thanked them, sort of. Many people left the field. Same with teachers. When you sit down and you set goals, and goal setting asks you to meet yourself as a whole human with all of these different areas of life, when it asks you to find purpose and meaning in all sorts of spaces of your life, Goal setting, something that can and historically also has been used as a tool for creating success, right? A very clear definition of success, usually around making money. Goal setting can also be a tool that resists that, done in certain ways. It can be a tool that helps you find purpose and meaning in all sorts of aspects of your life. Having a planning practice is also a really great way to reflect on your relationship with work. I believe that planning practices are a really wonderful way to not only engage in reflection, but to help you notice, to help you pay attention. As you do your planning, I want you to reflect on how you feel and respond to different work tasks. If you are unhappy at work, a planning practice might help you pinpoint why. What is the source of unhappiness? Recently, um, I had I had someone explain to me that when they got to work, their body responded by just tensing up. That they had this like visceral reaction to walking into their workspace. Y'all, I don't want this for us. When I started to really engage in goal setting and planning practices, I really started to recognize that I didn't hate my whole job because I was at a place where I was like just so frustrated with everything. It really helped me realize that there are a whole lot of places in my work that actually I was feeling lit up. I was feeling really excited. And I started to sit down and plan and I said, How do I make sure that more of those things that fill me are on my schedule? If I have a whole schedule that's full of the things that are draining me, why? Where do I have control over that? Which of those can I say, not not now? I'm not going to do it. Now, I want to recognize not everyone has a job where you have that sort of autonomy. And if you don't, again, just get really clear about what you do have control over. Latch onto that, no matter how small it is. Refuse approaches to goal setting and planning that reaffirm that your achievements are what give you worth. Or that you should plan so that you can be super efficient only to refill that time with more crap that makes you miserable. Resist. (laughs) Use these tools to reclaim yourself as a whole human who finds purpose and love and meaning in all areas of your life. As a teacher, I think about this a lot. There's all sorts of critiques of higher ed right now, and um, some of them are valid, some of them are whack. (laughs) But if our teachers, if our K-12 teachers, if our higher ed professors, 
if we have an unhealthy relationship to our work, how do we expect to raise humans that are going to have a healthy relationship with their jobs? Right? As mamas, we know this. You can't say, do as I say, not as I do. It doesn't work. If we want to model for our kids what a healthy relationship to work looks like, we have to create a healthy relationship with our jobs. I want to raise generations of healthy adults, and that means having healthy relationships to our jobs. Our systems, our institutions of work are whack. <laughs> Collectively, we need to heal. Collectively, we need to change. And I want you to advocate for those things. But in the meantime, I want you to locate the cracks. I want you to locate the fissures. I want you to locate the little spaces where you have control. And I want you to create pockets of peace. Find those people that are dedicated to showing up for work in a way that is healthy. For showing up to work in a way that recognizes you and others as whole humans. Showing up to work in a way that prioritizes what matters. I wish for you agency. To notice where you have control. And the energy to create a place that you want to be. I wish for you pockets of peace. Goal setting that opens you up to possibilities in all areas of your life. Planning that is personal development, not just efficiencies. And ultimately... I wish for you well-being at work. If this podcast has inspired you, guided you, or just made you laugh, the number one way that you can thank me is by leaving a written review for the show over on Apple Podcast. I'm seriously tickled every time that I hear from you all, so pop onto Instagram and follow Plan Go Plan and digital message me. I want to say hello. I want to geek out about all things planning and goal setting. Keep sensing the possibilities, y'all.